Did you know you can watch this episode on YouTube? Search for Accounting Influencers Podcast. And remember to like and subscribe to learn even more from the best experts, thought leaders and influencers in the accounting and fintech world. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. This is your access to world-class accounting leaders, global influencers and thought leaders. Discover what makes accounting firms great and accounting professionals world-class. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights. Welcome to this week's edition of the Accounting Influencers Podcast. We have a real accounting influencer heavyweight with us today, and we always look for experts and influencers and leaders in the accounting and finance profession throughout the whole world. And we have scoured the United States of America to bring to you today, Jen Crider. Good day to you, Jen. Hi, Rob. Thanks for having me. Jen, for people that haven't come across you, tell us about your role and what it involves. Yeah, absolutely. So I have the honor and privilege of being the CEO of the Pennsylvania Institute of CPAs. Uh, So we are the State Society in Pennsylvania, representing about 20,000 accounting and finance professionals, um, primarily based in Pennsylvania. Uh, So our membership includes college and high school students, those thinking about pursuing a career in accounting, and we help support them through that process. Uh, And then our membership includes many practitioners, CPAs working in public accounting firms, as well as educators, CPAs working in corporate finance. Um, So we get a we get a line of sight into all corners of the profession here in Pennsylvania. Um, And it's it's a really exciting work and, and a time where our organization can make a lot of impact on the profession. It definitely sounds like a broad church. And uh, I'm here in Nottingham in the UK, home of Robin Hood. So I understand with the American political system that there are some states where votes count more than others and are more influential than others. You've got to win the big Florida state, for instance. When you look at Pennsylvania in the scheme of things and the the regional associations, the state associations, is Pennsylvania one that punches above its weight? Uh, I think it is. I think it is. We are, in terms of not only population, but the quantity of CPAs uh, in the U.S., we're, I think, fourth or fifth largest. Uh, And so, you know, kind of being in this northeastern region of the U.S., um, we have most of the major firms headquartered here. We we have, you know, a a large representation of the bigger firms. Um, But Pennsylvania is kind of unique. We've got two urban centers with Philadelphia and Pittsburgh in between that. And outside of those urban areas, uh, it's quite the opposite. And so there's quite a diversity of CPA practitioner in Pennsylvania, which which makes our work really interesting because we're trying to represent lots of perspectives and solve a lot of needs. Talk to us about the young Jennifer, age 15, 16, 18. Did you think, I want to be CEO of the Pennsylvania Institute of CPAs? Or what was that early life like for you, Jen? Oh my goodness. Uh, not at all. Not at all. I am just as surprised to be here as, as anybody would. <laughs> Um, you know, candidly, Rob, I started college as an English major because I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do and pretty quickly thought, hmm, I don't know that English major is going to get me a great job. 
uh, let me try the business school and see where that could take me. And like so many other students, I found myself in an accounting class early in that business school career. And I'll never forget that first one or two accounting classes. It just sounded like a foreign language to me and something that I would never be able to grasp. Um, I was like, I can't wait for this to be over. But then it, maybe five, six, seven classes in because of an outstanding accounting professor, uh, it just clicked for me. And after the first class, took the second and third. Um, so a pretty typical uh, path to CPA for me in that I was heavily influenced by an incredible accounting professor, started interning with a firm while I was in college. Um, and then because of the support of my university environment and the firm that I worked with, I pursued the CPA license really early on, started studying while I was in school. Um, and that early uh, preparation got me licensed early in my career. So um, I worked for the same public accounting firm for about 15 years, beginning as an intern and working all the way up. Uh, I was a senior manager in audit uh, when I left the firm after 15 years. And truthfully, all I ever wanted to be was an audit partner. I, I loved public accounting. I loved the profession and uh, the nonprofit clients that I worked with. I found it so challenging and rewarding. Never would have thought uh, that I'd make the jump over to PICPA. Um, but the opportunity came up to um, apply for the chief financial officer job at PICPA. And a good friend of mine said, I know you're not looking to leave. You have to go check this out. Um, and as good friends do, she kept pestering me until I, until I took it seriously. Um, and so it was, candidly, it was the only interview I had ever done in 15 years because I was just, I loved public accounting and was not planning on leaving, but the opportunity was too great to pass up. So um, like many in our profession, uh, chief financial officer led to the step of chief, chief operating officer led to the step of uh, chief executive officer. And um, I never would have planned the path, but all of those twists and turns, uh, I look back now and they, they prepared me incredibly well uh, for the role that I have today. Well, let's hit you with a diversity question. On this show, we did a series of 14 panels with some of the most influential women leaders in accounting and finance at the turn of the year. We had managing partners of the biggest firms we could find around the world. We had heads of associations and networks, head of the ICAW and ACCA that you would know here in the UK, that are women. And the stat that we shared was that 53% of qualified accountants are women, but only 9% are in leadership roles. Now, you were the first woman to be named CEO of PICPA in the 125-year history of the organization. How significant was that? That's right. That's very true. Um, it, was, it was incredibly significant to me personally. I think that I wouldn't be here in this role had I not grown up in an accounting firm that was led by a woman. Uh, so the firm that I started my career with and grew with, uh, there was a woman that ran the Philadelphia office. And um, just like we hear with regard to diversity, you have to be able to see that role model in action to, to be able to become that. And so I'm the beneficiary of that uh, in my career personally. Um, PICPA is an organization that benefited from fantastic leadership over those 125 years. So um, it makes my job a heck of a lot easier that this was an incredibly strong organization that was well-led. Uh, in 125 years, I think there were only five CEOs uh, proceeding. So all very long tenured, um, but I'm really looking forward to being able to leverage my unique perspective and skill set for the benefit of the profession, because um, everything that, it, that, that was true for those 125 years, uh, it's all changing right now. Uh, and we have to rethink all of it. And if we look at the Jennifer Crider to-do list, 
apart from pick up the groceries and take the dog for a walk and all those other sundry items, in your professional role, Jen, what are some of the things on that list? What are you wrestling with right now? What's the biggest thing you're working on? Yeah, that's a great question, Rob. It is it is uh, quite a long to-do list, no doubt. <laughs> And, and balancing all of it is, is not easy, but um, I'm so energized by the, the opportunity that PICPA and by extension, um, other stakeholders in the profession have to make uh, on shaping our future. So most of my focus day to day as CEO is shaping the future. And I think that there's a couple pieces to that. Um, certainly that is about a long-term human capital strategy. There's so much discussion about pipeline right now. Um, so much of our time and energy right now is focused on, um, how do we start for human capital long-term? And we can come back to what that will mean, but, uh, there's a lot there. Um, I, it, it is my vision that we need to lead the profession from the front. I know that when I was in practice, I did not have time to pick my head up and see what was coming around the corner. So the other thing that's huge on my to-do list is looking around that corner into the future and saying, what do CPAs need to know to be ready for six months from now, six years from now? Um, a lot of those answers have to do with not only human capital, but technology, changing standards, and some of those things. So um, I really would bucket my to-do list in terms of human capital and future-ready CPAs. There are a lot of challenges out there. We emerged from the pandemic, which changed the whole game. What kind of shape do you feel, well, you might call it accounting industry, do you? We call it accounting profession here, but what shape is the accounting world in right now, in your view? Uh, I think that there has never been more opportunity than exists today. Uh, I think that the accounting profession is going through massive transformation um, and all of that opportunity is available for CPAs, firms and companies that are willing to uh, transform and take advantage of that. If we look at your role, Jen, what are you actually responsible for? We, we had of metrics and KPIs and measurements and memberships and everything else, but I'm thinking what would need to be happening in your office or your world for someone to say, quick, get Jen in here right now. This is absolutely urgent. Oh my goodness. So it's quite a broad range of things because of the diversity of CPAs in practice. Um, and so a lot of our day-to-day, -day, uh, like I said, is focused on pipeline and human capital. That is a national collaboration that's happening. Um, so that takes me outside of the, the geography of Pennsylvania to collaborate with stakeholders across the country um, to come up with some really practical solutions to those complicated problems. Within Pennsylvania, um, we're definitely focused on advocacy. So we uh, represent the voice of CPAs uh, in our state, just like every other state society does. Um, the AICPA and other organizations do that on a national level. Um, we end up being sort of the boots on the ground or the grassroots uh, extension of that. Um, because the CPA license is state-based, a lot of the work that we do gets involved in that. So what are the components of licensure? Where are people having trouble with licensure? How do we, uh, you know, help keep that relevant? Things like that. Um, also within, within our state, a lot of our work focuses on um, supporting firms and students and companies, just making them as strong uh, and productive as they can be. You're very passionate, I know, about human capital and pipeline and business models, and I'd love to get you on another show and, and go a deep dive in that. But there's so much involved in the, the politics and shaping the profession and things at higher levels. To what degree do you tap into your counterparts, your peers, both in the U.S. and internationally with heads of regulatory bodies and associations? 
Mm -hmm. The collaboration is quite extensive, and I would say today that it's really growing, uh, which is a positive thing for the profession. Um, so uh, certainly collaboration among state societies all across the US and AICPA, um, I think is at, at a great place. Um, I am talking with the CEOs of other state societies on a regular basis, uh, in some cases almost daily, um, because all of us have the same goal in mind. How can we collaborate for the benefit of the profession? And while we each have issues unique to our jurisdiction, uh, we all have the same charge at the end of the day. So we're together often talking about how to solve these issues. And I, I love this element of my role where, you know, if if somebody in a different state comes up with a really great creative solution, there's so much sharing and kind of picking that idea up and saying, how can we take that idea that you just had and turn it into a template where we can replicate that in other states? Because while there's a lot of differences in, in the CPA makeup across the US, there's also a ton of commonality. So uh, I'm seeing a lot of collaboration happening because we recognize that we're all trying to solve similar problems and we don't need to recreate the wheel. So um, that collaboration is, is a lot of fun and really interesting, and I think is leading to some great solutions for CPAs. Give us an insider look at what that collaboration looks like. Are you all in a WhatsApp group? Do you get on the phone every day on a Zoom call? Or do you go out to dinner once every six months? How do you really do that? Uh, all of the above, all of the above. Um, I, you know, I, I would say that most recently, my text messages are blowing up with, uh, with CEO collaboration, but um, joking aside, all of us are together at least quarterly um, for different meetings uh, where we get together and talk about what are these hot topics and how do we solve them. So between the quarterly meetings that we have in person, uh, there's a lot of offline work that is happening over email and Teams calls and, and those sorts of things. So um, one of the benefits of the pandemic and these virtual ways of working is that it has really accelerated our collaboration there. Let's talk about the CPA qualification. There's a lot of stuff in the press about, is it fit for purpose? Does it serve the profession well? And double entry bookkeeping has been thus forever, hasn't it? And the similar conversations are happening in the UK and elsewhere. There's the whole 120, 150 credit hour requirement. Just give us a sense of how robust the qualification is in your eyes and what, if anything, might need to change for that future world. It, it, that's a question I think a lot about. Um, so it's really important that the process for becoming a CPA is rigorous. Um, the CPA license has a very important public protection element, right? There are strong communities and strong businesses and strong capital markets because of the work that CPAs do. And so I always keep that front and center in my mind. Um, we have an obligation to keep those requirements rigorous, um, but rigor is impacted by you know, not only the, the capacity of the profession to handle the work, but the trust that we provide. Three things required for licensure, the exam, the education, and the experience. Most of the discussion recently has focused around the education requirement. I think that it's important as a profession that we are questioning, do these elements reflect what our profession needs to be future ready? I absolutely think we need to question it. And I think that we have to answer for that and solve for it collaboratively as a profession. Because the last thing we wanna do is have a license that doesn't meet the needs of the market and isn't relevant. I don't think we're there today. One of the benefits of this really robust discussion right now around licensure, I think is that everybody is recognizing, hey, we do have to 
keep looking at these things and making sure that they're fit for, fit for purpose and relevant. So going forward, I think that we will see a more critical evaluation of those things. I don't think that the conversation is going to die down one day and go away. And I think that that's a positive um, because it'll help ensure the relevancy of the CPA credential. For people not in the US, just explain the debate around this 150-hour thorn in the side of CPA qualifications. Yeah, so one of the three requirements for licensure right now is 150 credit hours of education. Um, that's been in place for a couple of decades here in the US. And again, because the license is state-based, every single state had to adopt that. It took about 30 years for every state to adopt that. And that was, you know, back, it began back in the 1970s when um, the CPA profession wanted to hold itself out to be really what it was, a profession, uh, like doctors and attorneys. So every single state had to open up their state laws uh, to write that in there. Um, it does not prescribe in those 30 credit hours what classes you have to take. It doesn't say you need a graduate degree or any of that. But what ended up happening is every state put that in. Because of that, every state has requirements for licensure that are substantially equivalent, which gives our profession a benefit that no other profession has. CPAs are able to practice across state lines because we're substantially equivalent in every state without registering, getting a different license, any of those administrative steps that were in place before. Uh, that mobility of license is an incredible benefit to our profession. Um, it's like a driver's license. When you drive across the border, you don't have to stop and show your license and say, oh, hey, I'm, I'm licensed to drive here. You can just do it. And that was important in the 1970s when this began. I would suggest that today, the incidence of practicing uh, the public accounting across state lines is exponentially higher. So when we're talking about the right requirements for licensure, it's incredibly important to me that we keep mobility and substantial equivalency front and center. It took us 30 years to get there. I don't wanna do anything that jeopardizes that because I could see every single day the negative impacts that would have on CPAs and firms if we lost that. What is the pushback on doing these 150 hours, Jan? Is it that accountants are just busy enough doing all the things they're doing? Or is the CP, CPD, CP they're doing, is that not valuable enough to them? Well. The pushback is 150 credit hours is a lot of time invested, a lot of energy, and a lot of money. All really valid concerns. Um, at a time when the, the model of higher education is changing significantly, um, we do have to look critically and say, is it, you know, how do we solve for those concerns? They're, they're real concerns. Because a student right now, if they choose to go to college, and less students are choosing to go to college right off the bat, if they do, they're looking at different job opportunities and they're saying, I could go make a certain salary with a four-year finance degree that is higher than the salary I would make with an accounting degree. And oh, by the way, that accounting degree, I've got to get an extra year's worth of credits to go sit for the CPA exam. So not only are we looking at differences in starting salaries uh, across the, the business school graduate landscape, but then also the cost of an extra year of education. So it's, it's almost a double hit to a student uh, when they're thinking about a career choice. I wanted to ask you, the accounting profession as a whole, there's some cynicism around it, particularly from the outside that says accountants never change. They're not great with change. They're not agile. They don't do anything different unless it's mandated by law or regulation. Is that unfair, Jen? Or is there some element of truth in that? I think it's largely unfair. Um, I think that our profession 
if our profession has been slow to change, it, it may be because, um, you know, our profession is heavily regulated. And so, you know, CPAs rightly so have to be mindful of that. Um, but I can tell you, Rob, in my day to day where I'm talking with CPAs all across, not only the state of Pennsylvania, but nationally, um, I, I find some of the most innovative people that I have ever met um, as, as CPAs. I said a couple of minutes ago that I think that there's never been a more opportunity to be a CPA in, in the accounting profession. And I truly believe that because what I see every day is people looking at these challenges and saying, um, our profession and the CPA license has such a strong brand. We bring trust into capital markets and we help families make decisions and solve problems. Um, that work is so incredibly important. And every day I see people thinking about how do we do that better? Um, how do we meet those needs better? Um, and how do we continue to support those folks into the future? You used the word innovative. I interviewed somebody earlier this week called Paul Barnhurst, and he is the FPNA guy in the world, financial planning analysis. And he told me a joke. He said, what's the difference between an accountant and a financial ad advisor, like CFO type FPNA? And he said, when an accountant gets innovative and creative, they get put in jail. And when a CFO gets innovative and creative, they get promoted. So I want to ask you this, does the profession, have, we're both laughing there, does the profession have an image problem? And evidence of that might be that fewer people are taking accounting qualifications and accounting degrees. There is some leaching out of public accounting of professionals, maybe going into industry, maybe going into fintech, maybe doing their own thing. And it's not dissimilar in other parts of the world. Does the profession have something of an image problem in attracting that talent? I do think we could do a better job of telling our story. I do. Um, because the perception remains out there that CPAs and accounting and financial professionals um, do work that is not interesting. Um, the, the, the perception is that it's boring work and you sit in a corner by yourself. Um, it couldn't be farther from the truth in my own experience as a CPA um, and in what I see in my role every day. So I do think there's a lot of work to do, especially when we're talking to high school students, as they're making that incredibly important choice of what are they going to study and pursue as a career. Um, the, the research shows that if we talk to accounting students and tell them about the impact that they can make on their communities, by pursuing a career in accounting and building that skill set. Um, when we talk to them about how this is an incredible foundation for entrepreneurship and frankly, career paths like mine that I never would have anticipated, um, it, it, the, the research shows that those are incredibly powerful messages. Look, Rob, my, my, when I was growing up, we, I had no idea what a CPA was or what they did. Um, my mom worked in a grocery store and my dad drove a truck. This profession and becoming a CPA transformed my life in a way that I never could have imagined. And so um, the, the power of an organization like mine and the role like mine is to be able to tell that story to high school students, college students, even people considering career changes, um, because I think that there is so much going for CPAs um, today and into the future. So. Uh, we just have to tell that story better. And it, and it takes all of us collectively to do that. It is a collective thing, you're right. And there's a role for CPAs, the societies, the universities, all the stakeholders to work together to overcome this decline that we're talking about in accounting students and, and professionals and better attract this young talent. That's a collective conversation, isn't it? Absolutely. And I would say, you know, a couple of years ago, as I was seeing these trends emerge, I don't know that the collaboration was where I would, would have hoped it to be. And I think that that has changed 
180 degrees in the last couple of years. I'm, I'm seeing in the national conversations that I get to participate in, um, just an a completely different take on working together to solve these problems. Jen, this has been terrific. I'd love to have you again on another episode to talk about the, the workforce shortage, the talent pipeline, and the business models of accounting firms. I know you're very passionate about that, but I'm going to offer you a job right now. So this is an interview question. I'm going to make you the worldwide czar of accounting. So this is what you're interviewing for, and I'm going to ask you one question. If you had that role of oversight over every society, every professional association, every regulatory body, every firm, every stakeholder in accounting worldwide, what would be top of your list to unify the profession and make the changes that you're so passionate about? Yeah, I think, Rob, the first thing on my list would be what we were just speaking about. All of us have to change the perception of what a career in accounting as a CPA can be by explaining to high school students how engaging and interesting and transformative but then there's people in it, Jen, that are not necessarily the best advocates for it. It's got this persona of boring grunt work and automation and everything else. But you and I both know there are very exciting, interesting work opportunities in public accounting. Perhaps the people in it already are not the advocates you want them to be in selling it to the outside. Yeah, perhaps. Yeah, I, I think that... It, the, the kind of secret to all of that is that technology has taken away all of the, the grunt work at this point. Um, I think back to when I was an intern earlier in my career, and while most of that was incredibly interesting, there was a little bit of standing at the photocopier, things like that. Interns don't do that anymore. They're jumping right into the interesting work. Well, you've got the job. You start on Monday. Congratulations. It's zero salary, but you have all the power that you need. Just in closing, Jen, leave us with some inspirational words of what excites you so much about the next few years coming up, both in, in your part of the world, but the accounting profession generally? Yeah, Rob, I think that uh, CPAs have never been needed more than they are today. In a world where there's not a high degree of trust, um, I think that CPAs bring that trust for families, for Main Street businesses, for capital markets. Um, and so the opportunity to be a CPA has never been greater. Um, and so I can't wait to see where this profession goes. Well, Jennifer Kreider, CEO of the Pennsylvania Institute of Certified Public Accountants. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for your company and your passion and your insights. You're listening to the Accounting Influencers Podcast. Sponsored by Dext. Make the businesses you advise more productive, profitable and powerful with better data and insights.